And uh, what we've been dealing with, the first three visions, is how God's going to restore His uh, people, Israel, and how He will judge the enemies, and how the city will be rebuilt. That's what we've seen in the first three visions. And we'll be moving on to the fourth one. But, before we get into Zechariah 3, turn over Romans 11, and verse 2, because it just this hits right with where we have been and where we're going. Okay, Romans 11, 2. What about Israel, right? Has God rejected them? Verse 2, God has not rejected His people whom He foreknew. Or do you not know what the Scripture says in the passage about Elijah, how he pleads with God against Israel? So anyway, there he talks about the prophets and all that, but you know he uh, comes back and, and restores them. But you go to verse 25 in chapter 11. For I do not want you, brethren, to be uninformed. word there is ignorant. Or it means to not know. Or it means to be agnostic. <laughs> uh, of this mystery, so that you will not be wise in your own estimation that a partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved, just as written, the Deliverer will come from Zion. He'll remove ungodliness from Jacob. This is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. From the standpoint of the Gospel, they are enemies for your sake. Whose sake? The church's sake. They are enemies for our sake. But from the standpoint of God's choice, they, not talking about the church there, are beloved for the sake of the fathers, the promise that was made. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. So, that helps us understand what God is doing when He's speaking to Zechariah here and said, hey, I'm not done with you. I have uh, something in, in mind here. So, um, the uh, 11th chapter of Romans is that God has not changed toward Israel. Uh, whatever He's predetermined as far as His love for them and His elect nation, He will save them. There is a coming salvation to Israel. So, the next question would be then, how can God restore a sinful, unbelieving people like Israel? How can He restore them? And the answer is found in this fourth vision. There are like eight of them in Zechariah, right? Okay, there's the question. What's the question? How can a God restore such a sinful, unbelieving nation or people? Okay, first three visions, we see the purpose of God lined out, what we've already seen in the first uh, two chapters. The people will be restored, okay? The enemies will be judged, and the city, Jerusalem, will be built in more of a magnificent way. So you see the significance. It was in the time of Zechariah that you see a lot of these things being fulfilled. But it extends out much further in the prophetic significance about the future and the exciting fulfilling that is yet to come. So Zechariah wants to show how a transformation takes place. And remember, when you see this through a nation and how you see all the physical things happening, a physical restoration, a, a judging, and a city being rebuilt, <clears throat> there's an inner transformation that happens to us. So also, there's a spiritual aspect. What were we? We were sinners, right? And He restored us from sin to righteousness. Okay, here we are. We're ready to go. 
Zechariah chapter 3, first two verses. And this is, I think, like, I think it's the peak of all the visions that are in this uh, section in Zechariah. I'm really excited about it. You guys ready? Let me turn to Zechariah. <laughs> Matter of fact, it might be good just to read some of that, right? Chapter 3. Then he showed me, this is about Joshua, the high priest. I got the title of this. Did you guys see the title? The Priest Who Wore Dirty Clothes. You ever heard of something like that? R.C. wrote a book. So I, I just kind of kiped that uh, title. He's not here but anymore. It's really what it is. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. This is interesting. You got a high priest, you got the angel of the Lord there, and then Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. Now, this is a vision. Yeah, order. Isn't this Joshua the high priest? Yes, and more. Okay. Am I getting ahead of you? Or yes, you are. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. Because you did that last week and it was beautiful because it led right in. Matter of fact, that's the key point of it all here. You know, you get that down, then everything else works. A lot of people be seeing these and they go, what does this mean? This is crazy. you got Satan standing there, you got the angel of the Lord there, and you've got this guy who's... Is he a... He's a priest, a high priest. So what? The angel of the Lord. So I remember we talked about that a while ago, like a couple of Tuesdays ago, about who the angel of the Lord is. Now, is that is that the Lord, or is that like would that be like Michael, the archangel? Well, you're doing to me just what Audrey did, which is great. These are legitimate questions. I will tell you right now. The angel of the Lord, right here, and I'll prove it in a moment. <laughs> The angel of the Lord this time here is the angel of the Lord or it is the Messiah. you got the Messiah, who's God, who's Lord. You have the devil and you have this priest with dirty clothes. Okay, I'll keep reading. You guys got the... These are the questions that you want to ask when you're reading. So, you know, I'm not making fun of you because this is exactly what you should be doing when you're reading. You know, okay, what does this mean? What is, is this the angel or is this another angel? Okay, now, the Lord said to Satan, the Lord is speaking to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. Indeed, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Now, Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and standing before an angel, the angel. He spoke, said to those who were standing before him, saying, Remove the filthy garments from him. Again he said to him, See, I have taken your iniquity away from you and will clothe you with festal robes. Then I said, Let them put a clean turban on his head. Zechariah is speaking now. He says, Go ahead, put the turban on him now. <laughs> it's really great. Zechariah is actually chiming in on this. He's getting into this vision. <clears throat> And so they put a clean turban on his head, clothed him with garments while the angel of the Lord was standing by. And the angel of the Lord admonished Joshua saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, If you will walk in my ways, and if you will perform my service, then you will also govern my house, and also have charge of my courts, and I will grant you free access among these who are standing here. That, and we might as well finish the chapter. It's all with it. Now listen, Joshua the high priest, you and your friends, 
who are sitting in front of you, indeed they are men who are assembled. For behold, I am going to bring in my servant, the branch. For behold, the stone that I have set before Joshua, and on one stone are seven eyes. Behold, I will engrave an inscription on it, declares the Lord of hosts. And I will remove the iniquity of that land in one day. And that day, declares the Lord of hosts, every one of you will invite his neighbor to sit under his vine and under his fig tree. Aha! So now, we, uh, we, we get up to this very first part. Let's get these questions answered and give a, bit, a little bit of backbone to it. Uh, first of all, this is the very current high priest during the time of Zechariah. He's actually here. His name is actually Joshua. Uh, I'm going to back up into... Verse 1 of Haggai. Go, go back one book before Zechariah. You've got Haggai. Okay, the second year of Darius the king. And remember, Haggai and Zechariah are living at the same time. Um, the word of the Lord came by the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, saying. So, what do we have there? What, what are we looking at? Joshua. Joshua is he's son of a priest, and also his grandfather had been um, killed actually earlier whenever Babylon came and took the people uh, into Babylon. And of course, they killed a lot of um, some of the, the leaders. So there's his father, who's priest. Joshua is a priest. As a matter of fact, in this case. What we're looking at, he's a high priest. Let's go to Ezra, chapter 5, verse 2. We're just kind of proving who this uh, Joshua is. Ezra, Nehemiah, right? It's for the prophets. I'm having trouble finding it. Yeah, it's before Job. Ezra, Ezra, Ezra... Ezra 5.1, you got the prophets Haggai, the prophet Zechariah, the son of Iddo, prophesied to the Jews who were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of God of Israel who was over them. Then Zerubbabel, he's the one that's going to lead the people back, you know, or to, to be building uh, Jerusalem. Uh, son of Shealtiel and Yeshua, the son of Josedek, arose. You know, you know, Yeshua is related to the name of Yahashua, Joshua, Yeshua, there, son of Josedek, and we just read in Haggai 1.1 of Joshua and Jehozadak. So there again we have mention of Joshua. Yahashua is the way it would be pronounced, or very close to Yeshua. 
And Jesus is Yeshua, right? That's his name in Hebrew. Hey, can I? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't catch how your translation did the Haggai one. Um, it, it says on in Joshua, the son of Jehozadak. Jehozadak. Jehozadak, uh-huh. the high priest. Or, which well, one was the high Because the way King James puts it, I couldn't tell which, which they were talking <laughs> about being the high priest, whether it was Joshua or whether it was his father. That's what I'm getting at. Um, and then I wonder, do, does the priesthood... I think what it's really saying is Joshua is actually a high priest at that time. He was he was a descendant of Zadok and um, at Jehozadak, uh, okay? And so there was it was through the line of Aaron, through Eliezer. And Je- Jehozadak was actually one of Nebuchadnezzar's captives from Babylon. So... Anyway, he's pointing that he comes from that line. And, of course, his father uh, is mentioned there. And then he also is... It's, it's Joshua who is the high priest okay. here at this time now. Okay, that's what I'm Does wondering. that help there? Yeah, because King James says, into Joshua, the son of Jehoshaphat, the high priest. There so, you go. So, like I said, I think that both of them high priests. In Zechariah 6.11... <laughs> Take silver and gold, make an ornate crown, and set it on the head of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, Joshua, the high priest. But every time they mention Joshua, they always talk about also his father, who had been a priest, a high priest. And then he says, Joshua, quote, or uh, comma, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. So Joshua is that one. So, is it legitimate to say that this man is real? Yeah, he's right there. Shows the heritage. What you do is show the heritage where he came from, so you know yeah. he's real. But this particular thing that's happening is a vision, right. even though Joshua exists, and it's like uh, it's I don't know how. Representative, was... almost of that same thing. Yeah. Nothing else. Really. Now, I want to expand this further, and on your outlines it says Israel. Right. Under, we we have the current high priest that we just pointed out. Now Israel and Joshua actually is going to stand for Israel as we go on. And it's even pointed out here in Zechariah 3, if you look at verse 8. Now listen, Joshua, the high priest, you and your friends who are sitting in front of you, indeed they are men who are a symbol. Okay, you and your friends are a symbol. For behold, I'm going to bring in my servant the branch. What it is, is that Joshua is more than just Joshua the high priest. Joshua is representing the nation of Israel. Even though he, he, he is this one man, but at, at the same time, we see all of this, it's in connection with all other visions. We keep seeing Israel, Israel. Um, Jacob, uh, sometimes known as here, it's being recognized along with the, the high priest. And... Israel is also known as, as you read in chapter three, verse two, um, the Lord said to Satan, "Lord, rebuke you, Satan. Indeed, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem, rebuke you." When it says Jerusalem, it's definitely you know you think of that great capital city. Of course, the temple's there, but what else is Jerusalem representing? Nation of Israel. So you have Joshua representing Israel. You have Jerusalem representing Israel. You know, you just look in the context, looking. 
the chapter here, and you see that. Uh, but it's definitely that his chosen. He chose Jerusalem. He chose Israel. Uh, and, and that word for verse eight, uh, the Hebrew word means they're symbolic. They are men who are assembled, or they're symbolic. Is it showing like Joshua is the religious side of Israel, and then what did you say? Then Jerusalem is like just the nation itself. It's like it's intertwined. Cause it's well, it depends on the context okay. you're speaking of. And of course, we'll see what he does with this Joshua or Israel as we go through this chapter. So Joshua, the other priests, their symbols, it's the nation, you and your friends, uh, they're chosen. Uh, we read Romans 11 a while ago that they were chosen. And he's saying, hey, there are enemies for your sake. So in that whole chapter when people say, well, all that is, is about, it's about the church. Israel is the church. And he's saying they're enemies of you, you the church, you believe. And so, you know, I ask people that, and that's they can't really give an answer because it's obvious that even though there Israel, there are people who are believers inside Israel. There, there's still people that are not, but there are people that are elect inside Israel. That's true, Israel. Deuteronomy seven. I'm just going to save some time, but that's where God took the smallest of the nations and chose them because He loved them. That's Israel. But that does bring us in. We can relate to that too, can't we? Because if He has promises that He will elect people inside of Israel, and that's His elect nation, then we too can say, oh, He will never let me go because He's made promises to them. And if I'm elect, just like they're elect, then He's not going to let us destroy ourselves and go to hell, right? So they're a good, good picture of that. Another thing that, uh, that represents them, and this, is, this guy Joshua is a priest, right? Go to Exodus 19. What was the idea of Israel as far as their duty was? Well, and just before the giving of the Ten Commandments, as God's leading them out in the wilderness... He says in Exodus 19, verse 5 and 6, Now, then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine. And here you go. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. What's a priest do? He's a go-between. He's between God and man, isn't he? He's representing who's in between. What is Jesus, one of his offices? Prophet, priest, and king. He's the go-between, the mediator between God and man. Priests are between God and men. Well, today, who are the priests? We don't need priests today to get us to God, do we? The high priest Christ is. But... We are a kingdom of priests. We are the kingdom of priests. Now, we haven't replaced Israel. He still has a plan for them to be priests also. But in what is it in 1 Peter? Go to 1 Peter 2. You are a priest. Did you know that? Well, some were in Israel. What's that? Some were. You know, the prophets. Oh, you mean that they had real priests, right? There were people in Israel. Oh, Aaron. Yeah. Sure. And any time, and of course, some of them took the news of God and even 
took it to even Gentiles. Right. Even at that time. Okay. First uh, Peter, Peter two, two verse nine. And here he's talking about Christians. But you are a chosen race. And this is to anybody who's, who becomes believers. Now that Christ has come now, Peter writes this, you are a chosen race. This, com- this comes right out of where? Exodus 19. Peter quotes it. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. A people for God's own possession. Why? Why are we priests? Why are we God's own possession? So, so that we may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Into His marvelous light. We are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. It's called you out of darkness, out of darkness, out of darkness, into His marvelous light, into His marvelous light. That's the very early days of Grace Community Church, back in the 80s. That was one of our first songs that we sang. Because that was one of the songs whenever uh, we did ministry over in the prison at Algoa, which is where Penny worked. Uh, and uh, we would sing that song. They would; those guys would always ask for that. And that was an awesome song. Oh man, it meant a lot to them. They we loved do that. that again. Uh, yeah, we, we <laughs> kind of almost did. Forgot one line, but uh, that's cool. Okay, so pr- the, uh, priest, right? They were called to be priest. Israel. Then we see the priests are the believers, and we see it in First Peter. We are priests. So Joshua, the high priest would it be safe to say is a symbol of the nation here? A symbol really of maybe even believers. We can stretch that out. Can we get back to the angel of the Lord? And here's where uh, Avel was talking about it. Uh, we see it in verse 1, verse 2. And throughout Zechariah, you'll see this. Sometimes you'll see a speaking angel of the Lord. Shall be Josh, high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. He's ministering before Christ. The angel of the Lord. And there's Satan right there. Um, So the second person of the Trinity. uh, The Lord there uh, sometimes is translated Jehovah. Uh, It's probably even better to call it Yahweh. And Yahweh is... Christ is Yahweh, but God the Father is Yahweh. Holy Spirit, I guess you could say Yahweh. I've never really taught that before, but really Yahweh is talking about the God who has a relationship with His people. He's the self-existent one. That's the idea of uh, Yahweh. So when you see the capital letters, L-O-R-D, that's Yahweh. That's the personal name uh, of God in, in that sense there. The Lord was Christ. And also, we can say that's none other than God Himself standing right there with Satan. And there's Joshua the priest. And here's what he's doing. And, and he says in verse 4, He spoke, said to those who were standing before him, saying, Remove the filthy garments from him again. Again he said to him, See, I have taken your iniquity away from you and will clothe you with festival robes. That's speaking of forgiving sin. 
this is the Lord speaking. This has to be Christ here, doesn't it? As He's speaking to the Lord also. As, as you will see in a few moments, the Lord, capital letters, which Jesus would be, speaks to the Lord, the Father, and says, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. So, Satan. What's, what's the name for Satan? What's it mean? Adversary. Adversaries. Here Satan is accusing. Can you think of another place where this has happened? Right there in Job. There you have it. God, Satan. Satan is like trying to, you know, show God, hey, hey God, you know, okay, Job isn't that strong. You real, you put him out there and he'll fail. Here he's got an easy mark. This is Joshua, the high priest with dirty clothes. We'll get to that. You know, he's saying, hey God, why do you have anything to do with this crummy bunch of filthy, <laughs> vile, sinful people. Look at this guy standing here. That's your representative? Right. You know, they're unworthy. They don't deserve anything. That's right. He's absolutely right. You got it. <laughs> but he's underestimating God's grace, isn't he? Doesn't know what that means, does he? So, you know, and Satan said, you ought to just set them aside. They're absolutely lousy. I'll, I'll tell you what, right here is the entire plan of God. His history that He's already out and He's outlining into the future hinges right on that thought right there. Because how many times has Satan tried to tell you yourself that you are not worthy? Oh boy, you are a mess. before the Lord now accusing us? He uh, he did it night and day. One day he will be kicked out of Satan. In Revelation, it speaks Satan. about that. Out of Satan. Out, out, out of heaven. He'll kick Satan out. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, Satan out of Satan would be nice. Yeah. <laughs> so, man, everything hinges on, on what's, what's here. You know, Satan says that they're not worthy. They're unrighteous, you know, or Joshua here in this sense. Now, the Lord said to Satan, so at Satan's adversary, he's there to accuse Joshua, isn't he? Or Israel. The Lord, that's Yahweh, said to Satan, he speaks to, right to him. So this is Jesus saying, The Lord rebuke you. Now, it could be that Christ could rebuke him right there, but I think what he's also, he's, he's speaking the Father. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. Indeed, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. And you know what? He sure does. Powerful. And you know what? Sometimes we're led to believe that we need to be talking to Satan and rebuking him all the time. And you know what? God is the one who rebukes him. Matter of fact, even Jude mentions that. And he says that he was, he was not going to rebuke Satan, but the Lord rebuke him. And so that means you know the captain's going to take care of this. We don't even have to talk to Satan. We shouldn't even be talking to him. Who do we talk to? The commander in chief, and he's the one who will speak to him. You don't see Joshua, the high priest, speaking back. You know, and say, ah, yeah, look who I'm standing by here. You know, Joshua never says a word. Well, you pointed out here is that the Lord said to Satan, "The Lord rebuke you." He didn't even rebuke right. Satan. Exactly. Exactly. That's it. 
Now, how many lords do we have here? How many? There's two of them. But really, there's only one God. We know that. But this is the Trinity. But I think it's speaking of a future tense ultimately. Because ultimately, God will cast him into a pit for a thousand years and all the demons. And then, for a season, lead one last revolt and then be judged forever, for for eternity, right? So, anyway... You know, Satan is a prince of the power of the air. He's allowed to, you know, roam about all over wherever, but only in God's permission and his timing and such. Now, he says, indeed, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem or Israel or, you know, so we've got Joshua, Jerusalem, the Lord rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the I love this. God plucked... When you think of Sodom and Gomorrah, for instance, He actually plucked some out of that judgment. Um, Who were they? Lot his family. Um, He saved some. He rescued people from a dangerous situation. And He says, okay, and He's... He does it the same, uh, again, like when you think of Babylon. The judgment has happened. Now what's He do do here? He says, okay, you're in the fire. Israel has been in the fire. What did He do? He plucked some out that, you know, remained. He brings them into the land. He brings them back. He says, I'm not going to cast you off. Matter of fact, I, I reach right into the fire and pull out that stick, right? Do you think I brought them here, Satan, to cast them away? <laughs> As he brought them back into the land and such. Do you think I brought them back here to have you uh, give me this big argument about how sinful they are? And there's no way I'm going to buy what you're selling me because I already have a plan. If I if I pluck a brand out of a fire, I do it because I want to do and keep that brand, you know, that stick. So. So is that what that word means, brand? Yeah, stick? right, a stick. Okay. A stick right out of the fire. Of course, you've, you've had uh, the, the bonfires and such, you know. And, yeah, and you got to be careful. You burn yourself, right? <laughs> but if you see something that's in there that shouldn't be in there, you don't want that to burn you. You know, you, you pull it out. So that's, that's the idea. That's what he did with Israel. So a lot of symbolism going on, but it all makes sense, doesn't it? So... Um, we get into verse 3. And this is where it really gets good. I just love this. Now, Joshua, or Yeshua, Yahashua, was clothed with filthy garments standing before the angel. Now, this reminds me of the verse that says, all our righteousness is as filthy rags. I don't know how graphic to get with this. God actually gets graphic, and so I guess I'll bring it out. uh, Excrement. He has his white priestly clothes of linen just covered with human excrement. That's the idea here of filthy 
garments. That is humiliating. That's horrible. He's filthy. Can you imagine the stench that was going on here? In this vision, does he smell? I've got a feeling he... Zechariah might, but the thing is, is that there's a root verb here that means to go forth, and it's speaking of going forth from the body. Uh, That's what's all over his garments. Dirty and smelly. This is an ugly scene. This is what... Satan is seeing that God is seeing, and what is the high priest doing like that? In, a, in a, the, you know what this is? It's the filth of Israel's sin. Do you know what God thinks of sin? It's, it's yeah, like when he thinks that's Bingo. God, what well, you know? Just think about that. It, you know, it's like try that one on. It's splattered all over his clothes. They're you know they're foul. They're smelly. Uh, the fact that Joshua never says a single word here in this whole vision is indicating that he has no argument. He who's he to be speaking? He is full of guilt. This is a good explanation, a good vision of what sin is. Nobody would like to be caught in that kind of a scene. And Satan is really feeling secure about his accusation when he's standing right by Joshua. (laughs) Satan says he doesn't have a chance. And that is the human race. Defilement. Yeah. I was reading Isaiah, and you're talking about, you know, Joshua representing Israel and the sin. And here in uh, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 2 through 4, it says, Hear, O heaven, um, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. Children I have reared, I have reared and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib. But Israel does not know. My people do not understand. A sinful nation, a people laid with iniquities, offspring of evildoers, children who deal corruptly, they have forsaken the Lord, they have despised the Holy One of Israel, they are utterly estranged. So, I don't know, I feel like... That, that just says it. Yeah, that like represents... I feel like that's what Satan is seeing and what... Um, what's his name is seeing <clears throat> and the filthy rags, that's all the iniquity, the, the disgust, the sinful nation, you know. So I feel like that's what I'm seeing when I see him in those dirty rags. That's, that's kind of what I think. That's exactly it. And Isaiah puts that forth right there in the first chapter. And he shows right where they're at. If people, what's the first thing that people need to recognize about themselves? Sinners. They are sinners, corrupt, filthy. You know, it can't. It, you know that that just explained it all. Go to Isaiah four while we're in Isaiah right there. Look in verse four. 
when the Lord has washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and purged the bloodshed of Jerusalem. There, Zion, Jerusalem, this is Israel, from her midst by the spirit of judgment and the spirit of burning. There, it's talking about washing away that filth that you just read there in chapter 1 there, Bill. So there's the answer. By the time you get to chapter 4, He's going to wash away that sin. And that's exactly what He's saying in Zechariah. It's the same message over and over and over, isn't it? This is the Gospel, folks. The Gospel is found in the Old Testament, isn't it? But it was so uh, lost in the shuffle. Israel just couldn't get it. Well, people can't get it today either, can they? I can't believe they're hanging out in a cesspool, right? Yeah. That's right. Um, but you can smell. Oh, stay in Isaiah. Uh, uh, yeah. Spell it all. 64, 6. For all of us have become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous deeds are like a filthy garment. And all of us wither like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. But Isaiah finishes up, no matter how rebellious and how sinful you are, if you're the Lord's, you exhibit it by your obedience and following Him, then we are His and He will wash us. He will make us clean. So Joshua actually is in a condemned state. And it's very visible as this is brought forth. Now we have Joshua cleansed in 4 and 5. He spoke and said to those who were standing before him, saying, Remove the filthy garments from him. Again he said to him, See, I have taken your iniquity away from you and will clothe you with festal robes. This is really cool now. The iniquity is taken away. There is nothing of human works that people can do to make themselves clean, right? Right. Only Joshua God can do that. No. <laughs> they have to do it, don't they? Like this. Uh, yeah. Is Joshua a living person at this time this vision is taking place? Uh, yeah, yeah. He is the high yeah. priest. He's so, the high priest of, of so the... He is, he is the high priest in the vision, but he's also the high priest in the actual time. In real life. The vision. Exactly. Okay. So it wasn't just some made-up name. Yeah. But it actually is, but he's representing, it's not just Joshua, but it's all the people. That's kind of like, that's pretty cool, because now that I think about it like that, it's like, you know, it's kind of weird. He's an actual person, he's actually the high priest, and here, uh, who is it that's seeing him? Zechariah. Zechariah is seeing him in his filthiness. But yet he's still a high priest. He's a high priest. You would think. You would think. You're grabbing. Zachariah uh, blown away, but uh, he turns right around and says, "Well, give him a turban." Give him the turban. <laughs> <laughs> really, he got excited. He's like, give him a promotion. <laughs> Don't stop. <laughs> It's like, he could have come up with like a bracelet or you know, a gold chain. He wants to give him a clean turban. Well, and and why? Because right. that's a. Uh, Because this is where it gets even cooler. This is like one of the coolest chapters in all the Bible. I kid you not. Basically, the high priests, they would usually wear white... They were linen. It was basic linen. You know, uh, uh, it's like linen pants, a linen coat. You know, it's just white. Nothing fancy. But it was white and it represented purity. But the thing is, he's got all this stench all over him. He's got to be cleansed. 
And uh, I'll, I'll just save some time, but I think if we went into Exodus 28 or Leviticus 8, what you would find out is that now they're going to be put some festal clothes on him. That means, okay, the priest normally wore linen, but on the Day of Atonement, as they went in for the people and into the Holy of Holies, and that's the only time they could do that, they would come out, they would have that linen. When the work was done, you know what they would do? They would change their clothes. The dirty clothes representing the people. This is the priest. This is all the people. This is not just Joshua. This is a whole nation of Israel. This is us before we came and to Christ. And they were all the sin offerings is what they were doing. They, that's right. They, that's the sin offerings. Bring it, And they did it for them. Then they did it for the people. Now here we go. They would put on these new clothes. And you're talking about real gold here. A beautiful blue cloth, purple scarlet, fine linen. There were penny onyx stones. Remember that? They had onyx stones engraved the 12 tribes of Israel on front of them. This, this was absolutely beautiful. There's a breastplate there with the, the 12 precious stones and inscriptions on it. Okay, there, and then there's this fantastic turban that they would have. He hadn't even got that on yet. Zechariah says, put the turban on him. <laughs> and on the front, okay, it's wrapped on his head, you know, and on the front it had a gold plate. And you remember what it said? Holiness unto the Lord. And that's what they, they would see every time whenever there would be the, the Day of Atonement, you know, once a year put on those festive clothes. I mean, that's some kind of outfit, isn't it? And he had that linen outfit full of human excrement on it. And all of a sudden, he's got this outfit on and uh, this festival uh, garment. Uh, and this is like the second person of the Trinity is making a, an atonement for him. Festival clothes. That's the kingdom, ultimately, is what this is. When Israel gets into doing what they were designed to be in the first place priest. Now, 6 through 7. Oh, did, did we. Uh, Verse 5, I said, let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head, clothed him with garments, while the angel of the Lord was standing by. Now, and the angel of the Lord admonished Joshua, saying, he says, okay. Whenever the Lord's admonishing somebody, take note, right? Thus says the Lord of hosts, the king or the, the God of armies, if you walk in my ways, and if you perform my service, then you'll also govern my house and also have charge of my courts. He says, okay, free access among those who are standing here. Okay, the covenant is going to be fulfilled. We know that they're only saved by God's sovereign grace. Is there any work that we can do to be saved? But there are conditions here. And you say, well, you're saved by grace. How can there be any conditions when it's unconditional love? Well, you show you're a Christian by what? Walking in God's ways and performing His service. You know, keeping God's charges. Being obedient. You know, we could just say, oh, we're saved by grace and then just live like the devil. It's okay, we're saved. Saved for eternity. That person is not saved. 
true person, true person of Christ will be obedient. Right, exactly. And that's that's really what he's saying to Joshua, the nation of Israel, which he has said all the way through the Old Testament. If you walk in my ways, perform my service, here's the blessings. Then you will govern my house. What's his house? The temple. And have charge of my courts. The house, the courts. And I'll grant you free access among those who are standing here. Which I think he's probably speaking of uh, maybe angels or uh, who have access there now. You're going to get back. You're going to get where you really belong as my priest nation. You'll come back into my house and you'll take care of my house. You'll be my priestly nation. And then I'm going to let you roam the place where the angels roam. Now that's kind of the idea of what he's talking about. I mean, that's that's talking about you know the eternal state, you know, being the millennial kingdom, the eternal state. He's gone totally into the future here. Although there are blessings that are happening here at this time, there is a final time, and that will be seen in Zechariah 12 through 14 uh, of what he will do, how he will he will cleanse the people. The covenant is comes into play. Covenants fulfilled there. Lastly, eight through ten. Oh, we got two minutes. We have time. Don't worry about the two minutes. <laughs> okay. Isn't this cool, though? You know how he's taken it back and gone back to the priesthood of Israel, but really he's showing that Christ is the one who takes off our filthy rags and puts on righteousness of Christ the beauty of it all. And so that's what he's going to kind of finish up in this vision. Now he says, now listen, Joshua the high priest, he's talking to Joshua, right? You and your friends who are sitting in front of you, indeed they are men who are a symbol. And we just read this earlier. For behold, I'm going to bring in my servant the branch. Okay, here's where we get. Look how many times there is. It's obvious who this is. Mm-hmm. He is what? What do you see here that he's called servant? And if you look in Isaiah chapter, oh, let's see, fifty-two, fifty-three, he is the suffering servant. Jesus is the servant. The gospel of Matthew, he's the king. The Gospel of Mark, what do we see him as? The servant. As he heals and has compassion on people. He's the servant. He served us, didn't he? Of course, the cross is the absolute best serving that we could ever have. But he continues to serve us. And he's also called the branch. And branch comes from kind of a lowly condition. And did you know what the name for Nazareth is? They think Netzer which is branch. Jesus is the branch. He's the branch that comes from David, King David. He's a branch off of that, that, uh, that tree, right? The branch. Uh, so he's he, my servant, the branch. For behold, the stone... <laughs> we're getting pictures of Jesus all the way. Servant, branch, 
the stone. You know, he's the chief cornerstone. How often through the, the Old Testament and the Psalms where you see the stone, you know, the builders rejected, Israel rejected. Uh, he's the branch. Isaiah 11, 1, we might as well just cover those Old Testament passages real quick. Isaiah 11, 1, here we get the branch. He's telling Zechariah this, or, and, and Joshua, right? Joshua's the high priest he's speaking to. Zechariah's seeing this. They know these passages. Then a shoot, or like a branch, will spring from the stem of Jesse. Jesse. Jesse's the father of David. Coming from that. And a branch from his roots will bear fruit. That's a messianic passage, isn't it? If you're just reading that, you go, what's that? And even if you go on to the next one, it says, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Uh-huh. When Jesus gets baptized, you see the dove come down and rest on him. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that great? He's like, whoa! <laughs> he was led by God's Spirit. So, yep. Absolutely right. Really cool. uh, <coughs> Isaiah 4, verse 2. <coughs> In that day, the branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious and the fruit of the earth will be the pride and the adornment of the survivors of Israel. Amazing. The branch. Uh, the stone. Right? <clears throat> Go back to Zechariah. For behold, the stone that I have set before Joshua on one stone are seven eyes. Behold, I will engrave an inscription on it, declares the Lord of hosts, and I will remove the iniquity of that land in one day. And you'll see that later on. And he's already spoken that he's going to restore Israel. He's going to forgive the people's sins. They will get the land that they were promised, the ultimate of that. And that day, declares the Lord of hosts, every one of you will invite his neighbor to sit under his vine and under his fig tree. When you think of Israel, what represents Israel so well? Both of these. The vine. They're like the wine, right? Right. Exactly. What is it? The grapes. And the fig tree. Fig Newtons. Figs. It's a fruit. It is. It's the fruit. It's the figs. There's a right across the street from our house. Uh, there's the the neighbors have a fig tree. Really? Yeah. They actually grow here. And now you can't see because it's got cages all over to keep the deer away. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I digress. Obviously, Jerry, thank you. <laughs> kind of uh, on the same topic, but you know about Joshua and all this stuff that's happening to Joshua. I kind of wonder if he just kind of wakes up. Like the next day, and it's like, I'm really tired. <laughs> <laughs> I feel really clean. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'm just, just mad. I'm just tired. I feel like I'm just standing all day. <laughs> <laughs> Were you talking to me in my sleep? I was telling you. I heard something. <laughs> um, speaking of the vine and the, and the
be sitting underneath the tree, inviting peace, comfort, enjoyment, relaxing. I mean, this is a beautiful picture. First Queen Kings four twenty four, for he had dominion over everything west of the river from Tipat Tipshaw, even to Gaza, over all the kings west of the river, and he had peace on all sides around about him. Now there, it's speaking, at the time of Solomon was the most peaceful time that Israel ever had. Short time period, but that is representative of what it's going to be. It'll be even better, but in the kingdom of God, where it's ultimately, there will be absolute peace. But that Solomon's name means what? Shalom, which means peace. And here in Kings, we see this, where Solomon ruled over that. He had a massive piece of land where he was at. And uh, there is the great promise uh, whenever it talks about the I'll remove the iniquity of that land in one day and in that day declares the Lord of hosts every one of you will invite his neighbor to sit under his vine, under his fig tree. Um, it's all because of the branch, the stone. He is the vine. I am the vine. You are the branches. Right? Um, of course, you know, the fig tree was what Israel took great pride in of all the fig trees that they had. And uh, another one was olive oil. Olives was a staple. You know, they used that oil for some we don't see that here, but that's the idea. That's what God blessed them with. Of course even today when you see a symbol of Israel, what do you see? You see a vine. Yeah. And uh, so there anyway, it's speaking of where it finally leads to, I think it's just just amazing how this all comes out. It's so messianic in verses 8 through 10. It's pointing out to them, um, uh, I'm going to bring in my servant, the branch, the rock, the vine, right? And right here, right here, this is how this all happens. It's in the person of Yahashua or Yeshua, and we see that Joshua, who was a real priest, how he is a symbol of the nation. And how about us, too? We were what he was, the filth. The priest who wore dirty clothes. Is that an amazing story? I love it. Well, we saw another good vision. I think that is so dynamic. Why don't we uh, close with a word of prayer. Father, thank You for this evening. Thank You for Your Word here. and Thank You for Zechariah and these visions that are given. And it's really about the story of salvation and what Christ did for us when we were absolutely lost in our iniquity. Did not know how terrible of a situation we were in and wearing those dirty clothes that we were in, the unrighteousness, and you take those filthy garments off and put on the festal clothes. Thank you, Lord, for regenerating us and making us who we are and help us develop further and get us a better glimpse of Jesus. We just saw Jesus here tonight in this chapter that goes back in the Old Testament. May He be truly glorified in our lives. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for coming out.